we're going to start a, a brand new teaching series today. If you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to get it. If you have a phone, I'll allow you to flip that out if you like, and you could scroll with me. Uh, we are going to do a, a series on Psalm 23, uh, possibly one of the most famous of all the Psalms. And uh, um, it, this is one of those Psalms that um, if you've ever been to a funeral or many funerals, chances are this psalm has been read, and for good reason. But, but I want to unpack this over the next few weeks so that it's more than just a, a sentiment that we read at a sad moment, but more of a, a manifesto of truth that we can draw from that will actually help us in, in every area of our lives. Um, before I go any further, I just want to thank Hoop. Where is he this morning? Hang on, Mr. Hooper. He is, oh, in Kids Church. Uh, if, you didn't, if you weren't here last week, um, Hoop did another paint and preach, which was brilliant. We weren't here. Uh, and so I think it's in the foyer. It's with a picture of Danny with a lamb over his shoulders. And um, that's what you get for blowing kisses at me, bro. Um, and apparently it was amazing. So I'm not sure if it's online. Is it online? It will be at some point. You can listen to the message, um, but you can't see the video because it's audio. Anyway. I'm sure you get how that works. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, we just thank you for this message today. We thank you for this series ahead. We thank you for this passage of scripture that it would bring life and nourishment to our bones, to our minds, to our souls, Lord, and to the relationships that are around us. Lord, I just pray that you would use me today to speak your words and that would be life-giving for all of us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to do verse one this morning. Just one verse, and we're just going to tiptoe through this and see what we can draw from it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not Want. So, as mentioned, this psalm was written by King David. Most likely it was written in the later part of his life. There's some uh, argument that maybe it was written in his earlier days, but uh, unanimously, well not unanimously, but across the board, uh, more people believe that this was written in the later part of his life as he was reflecting over his life and his interactions with God. And so when we look at the life of David, we see like our lives, there's a lot of ups and downs, a lot of highs and lows. And so if we look particularly at the life of David, we'll see that he was a shepherd boy, so he was just like a, a, a small, meek little boy that would look after daddy's sheep. Um, he was a giant killer, the story of David and Goliath. We see him kill the Goliath who was defying the armies of God. Uh, he was an adulterer. He was a cold-blooded murderer, um, killing Uriah to cover his tracks for what he did with Bathsheba. Horrific, horrible things. He was also a poet, a musician, an author. He was a king over a nation. And all through all of that, he was a man after God's own heart. What a roller coaster ride, the life of David. And with consideration to 
all these highs and lows in his life, from his heart flows this psalm. From the sum total of his experiences as a shepherd boy, as an adulterer, as a murderer, as a king, as a son, as, as a poet, flows this psalm, this song of joyful thanksgiving and reflection. And it starts with this verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this verse for me is a stunning picture of the Christian life, right? We just, this this short, short little phrase gives us a glimpse into what it truly means to be a Christian, that the Lord is our shepherd. Our dependence is on him. Our rest, our nourishment, our peace is not found in an epic holiday, although those are good. Our, our ultimate peace is not found in binging an amazing Netflix series, which is fun. True peace, true fulfillment is only found when we listen to the Good Shepherd as he cares for us, provides for us, and leads us to green pastures and still waters. See, God does not intend the Christian life to be that of misery, that of religious obligation, or that of begrudging submission. It's goodness. Goodness is the point of the Christian life. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's where David landed. Looking over his life, the ups and downs, the highs and lows, goodness and mercy. So for you and I, when, when, when God is our shepherd, there's going to be moments, seasons, highs, lows, but at the end of the day, God's goal, God's plan is goodness. The goodness of God would flow through us. As we said, this, this starts off with the Lord is my shepherd. Ergo, we are sheep. And I think we looked at this last week with, with Hoop's message, which is awesome. And it was by sheer fluke that he talked about that because we hadn't planned it. So identifies God as our shepherd, therefore we are sheep and we shall not want. Other translations say we, we lack nothing. If God is our shepherd, we lack nothing. If God is in control of our life and we are submitted to his plan and purpose, we lack nothing. Nothing. But let's be, let's be honest. How many of us can actually say that we don't want or that we lack for nothing? How many of us can actually say with truthful confidence that this is the posture of our heart? That, you know, I, I, I want for nothing. I, I lack nothing. I would say very few of us, myself included. Like, there's always this, this longing, this... this um, this depletion, this, this wanting for more, or, uh, which, is, which comes from this sense of dissatisfaction, like there's, there's got to be more, there's a deficit that exists. But according to this passage, we don't have any want when Jesus is our shepherd. So let's take up the challenge after this message. Let's take up the challenge to, to put our trust in God more in our everyday life. I struggle with this. And I dare say, if you're anything like me, perhaps you might possibly even somehow struggle a little bit with this issue of completely trusting God with our life too. So why don't we jump in together and work on our trust in God. This past week, um, as Anna said, we've been away doing different things. I was away uh, last Sunday preaching at C3 Corumban, which was amazing. And then Monday through Wednesday, I was 40 minutes outside of Bow Desert in the middle of Queensland area 
I don't know Queensland too much because it's sort of like the forbidden state, the whole state of origin things really. Um, leaves a sour taste in my mouth, so geographically, I don't really care where I am. It's just Queensland. Ugh, gross. So, but in saying that, there was a pocket of paradise 40 minutes out of Bow Desert where I was on a three-day spiritual retreat with nine other pastors. And uh, it was a 400-acre farm stay, like a working farm, and it was absolutely it was beautiful. It's like that, that winter, everything sort of, all the grass has sort of died off and was that, that orangey color and, and wispy and, oh, it was just glorious. Anyway, I digress. I remember there was a bunch of times we'd have these, and this probably sounds um, confronting for you and it absolutely was for me. We would have multiple three-hour blocks where we would just go out on the farm, explore, adventure, and just be with God. No device. Nothing, maybe a notepad if you want to journal some notes, but just you as a human being before your God in the middle of nowhere for three hours. And one of, this, one of these sessions um, of silence and solitude, I remember finding myself just sitting under this tree and I was just watching this herd of cows. And they were grazing, moving from paddock to paddock, interacting with one another. They would do the little defecation here and there as they do. They didn't even care. They are just like, wherever, I'll just go wherever. And... They were just doing what cows do, what herds of cows do. And then as I watched them, my eye would flicker over here and I'd see you know, a little uh, group of kangaroos hopping around and they're just eating without a worry in the world. And then down the hill in the bottom paddock was a, a, a guinea fowl farm and I would watch about a dozen guinea fowl just walk in this perfect line following each other, just doing what they do. And I had this thought. When have I ever seen the created order worry about what they need? Like the cows aren't going, oh my gosh, where is the next bit of grass I'm going to chew on? Uh, oh dear Lord, and they're out there worrying and like freaking out. I never see the kangaroos just looking around and going, what am I going to do? They just, they operate instinctively according to God's grand design and purpose. Have you ever seen God's created order worry about their life? See, a monkey lives and flourishes. I didn't see any monkeys, other than the Queenslanders themselves. Too much? Not enough? I agree. A monkey lives and flourishes according to God's created order and design for monkeys. Fish live and flourish according to God's created order and design. Trees, rainforests, entire ecosystems live and flourish according to God's created order and design. Yet, as humans, we rarely live and flourish according to God's created order and design for our lives. Why is that? Because unlike every other thing in creation, we have been given a choice whether we will yield to God's grand design or not. So my question is, are we doing that? Do we know God in such a way to then know his heart, to then know his plan, to then know his design for us to yield to that, which will give us the peace that surpasses all understanding, that of which the world does not know, to then live as God has called us as humans to live? This is super hard. It can be hard to trust God. It can be hard to give him our whole life. It can be hard to get to a point where we go, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I have everything I ever need. That's a hard place to be at. 
I want to read a scripture from uh, the book of Matthew. If you want to read along, you can. Chapter 6. I'm going to preface it with this. In an age where anxiety in its various forms has become the normal part of the human existence and experience, the words we're about to read here in the Sermon on the Mount can either be like a calming balm or a splash of vinegar on the open wound of our worrying souls. So we're going to read this passage slowly. And I want us to pay close attention to how we feel in ourself about that. So Jesus, our great shepherd, is preaching the greatest message ever been preached. He is the son of God come to this earth to reveal the full nature of God and how the kingdom of God works on this earth. And the Sermon on the Mount unpacks that in a way that oftentimes is not in line with how the world would see things or maybe how we were raised, maybe how our flesh operates. So let's read this together. And let's see if, if it triggers resistance in you or if it triggers a relaxation in you. Matthew six twenty-five to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body. What you will wear is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor do they reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add even a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? That's a word for my wife. Uh, why do you worry about clothes? Seriously. See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So, bless you, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So how did, how did that make you feel? In, in yourself. Jesus is pretty clear saying stop worrying about material stuff. Stop worrying about the world, what the world is chasing. The world is geared towards consumerism and comfort culture. Where we are geared towards more, more, more. Have, have, have. Get, get, get. God knows our needs. He knows the desires of our heart. He's asking us to, 
take the pressure off ourselves from striving for those things and trust that he knows what we need and he will provide them. When we look at the created order, we see how it all functions beautifully according to his grand design and purpose. And he has a grand design and a purpose for you and me as humans, as the Imago Dei, the image of God. God has the grandest of all plans for humans, far more than cows grazing in a paddock or fish in the ocean or monkeys in Queensland. God has a plan for you and I and we have to step out of the world system in order to yield to him in order to fully get it. And he tells us right there that we should do that. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not seek first to keep up with the Joneses. Not seek first to, do, to fit in in this world. Not seek first to, to, to accumulate and get and have and amass for yourself. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else you worry about or want or need or desire, it'll be taken care of. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. And Jesus is affirming that here. Worrying is a normal part of life. And it usually occurs when we forget to trust God and live and flourish in his created design and order for our life. I heard this um, analogy recently and I think it's, I think it's kind of appropriate to what we're talking about today and the analogy goes like this it's like all the animals on the plains of the savannah the elephants the giraffes the buffalo the lions the gazelle they all drink from one water hole they all have varying degrees of needs and need their thirst satisfied in the scorching heat of the African sun, these animals in their multitude need satisfaction, they need thirst quenched. And so they all drink from the same water hole to get that nourishment. And the analogy goes like this, but in order for them to drink the life-giving water, they first must bow. And you've probably seen the National Geographic photos or videos where every animal, no matter what they are, they, they bow. They have to lean over. They have to yield themselves down to the water's edge. And this similar parallel we see in the human life. In order for us to have the, the life-giving water of heaven flow through us, we must first bow in order for the living water of heaven to flow through us. We must yield to God. To bow is to acknowledge, to surrender to God, to understand that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep and therefore we don't need to worry about what we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear, but accept that he is the shepherd we shall not want. Apostle Paul in Philippians says this and, and, and this, this is super encouraging. Because what I'm, what I'm proposing, what I'm reading, what I'm drawing from this passage is not easy to trust God. So we need to be bolstered up with some truth that will help us in that. And Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
So what do you do with that? Like, is, is that just going to be a poster that we put on the wall with an eagle soaring with mountains in the background and we just put Philippians 4.19 on the bottom and oh, what a beautiful post. I'm so inspired. Or is this the inerrant word of God? Is this the truth of God that he will supply every one of our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus? Oh, we have an opportunity here to accept or reject that as truth. And I propose if we accept that as truth, guess what's going to happen? We're going to put our head in a pillow at night with far more peace in our heart because we're trusting in God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. The good shepherd. We shall not want, we shall have peace, we shall have trust. He will supply all of our needs. And here's the kicker. I'm going to finish here. If, if we get this wrong, here's my concern. If we get this wrong in regards to putting our trust in God and him being our shepherd, him being our provider, it has serious implications for God's call and plan and purpose for our life, which primarily is to be generous. If we worry about our stuff, our physical things, our, our consumer stuff, if we worry about that, that is going to hamstring our ability to be generous and outward focused. Because our concern is making sure we have enough. But if we open up the floodgates of our trust and become outward focused and go, my God shall supply all my needs, then I can live according to my creator, design and order and be the kind of generous outward focused person that God has called me to be. With my money, with my time, with my talents, with whatever I have, I can be outward focused because when I give away or I release or I am generous, I am not in depletion. In fact, as a man sows, so shall he reap. And if I, if I sow sparingly because I'm too tight and I don't trust God, then I'm going to reap sparingly. But if I sow generously and bountifully, some translations say, then I will reap bountifully because my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Or seek first the kingdom of God to be generous and all those things God will take care of. There is a sowing and reaping principle that exists in the world, in the global cosmos, because God has put that principle in place just like he's put gravity in place. The thing is we trust gravity subconsciously, but we don't trust sowing and reaping. Because sometimes our trust is in our ability to keep what we have and what we need rather than release that and trust God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Because here's the thing. If we live out of fear and channel our energy and our mind and our attention inwards to make sure that we have enough, to make sure that we have and we're focused on what I can get, guess what happens? We become the shepherd. We become the provider we become the one we put our hope and trust and faith in. Because I've got to make sure that I've got enough for me and mine. And I'm inward focused and therefore we can't say this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We will say, I am my shepherd and I'll make sure I've got my own. Thank you very much. But that's re the reality is, is the opposite in the kingdom of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because I trust him as the good shepherd to provide all my needs and take care of everything I have so that I can live the free, the generous life that he has called me to live, which is his created design and order for humanity in its life and in its flourishing on this earth. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us to trust you in every area of our life? 
not just with our spirits and our souls and our minds, but would you trust, help us to trust you with our possessions, our things, our health, our relationships, God. Lord, I thank you that you are the shepherd. We are the sheep. And your word is pretty clear that we shall not want. You will provide. So Lord, if you will provide, we will trust. We will obey. Would you help us to do that, Lord God? Would you help us to take our eyes off ourself, being inward focused, and help us to keep our eyes open to others? That we would truly seek first the kingdom of God, your way, your principles, your life for us, and your righteous life that you have for us. And Lord, I thank you that you will take care of everything else once we put our trust in you. Help us be more full of trust and faith in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.